You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning. Hope you guys are doing well today. We are finally making to the end of the book of Acts. Uh, yeah, that's good news, right? Um, some of you have been through this journey with us. We've been in the book of Acts for a year now, uh, through 2019, and in my opinion, it's been awesome. Uh, I've learned so much. I've got to dive in and see some things I've never seen before. Uh, I have learned a ton about Acts, about the early church, and it's been a neat journey. Uh, as I was looking at some, some facts about Acts, so we have, in this past year, we have spanned a time frame of 35 years as we've looked at the birth of the church, of God's bride. We have looked at over 50 different cities. I, I think I have a map here to see all the different places that we have looked at, and I'm pretty sure I've mispronounced every single one of those at some point this year, all right? Uh, each time after first service, I mispronounce it. Sarah tells me the right way to say it. And I mispronounce it a little bit less second hour, but it's still probably wrong. And so uh, we have traveled and we have met many people. We've met Peter and Paul, obviously, but I've also loved to meet Justin, a guy that was just willing to open his home for Jesus Christ, for the people of Jesus Christ and and open his home. Uh, We've met Lydia, a leader in a local church that was able to take her business and her influence and and influence others for Christ. We have traveled through these many cities, we've, traveled, we've met many people, we've traveled through 35 years of time, and we're finally to the end. We're at chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, open it to Acts 28, and uh, we'll also have it up on the screens, and we're going to look at how, how this ends. It ends kind of abruptly, it ends uh, with a message that Paul is unhindered. And it ends with a message to each one of us. And so, uh, as I was praying before service, um, it just hit me how humbling it is to be able to be putting an end cap on the birth of the church. That this is God's vessel to be able to reach the world. How amazing is that? That this is God's vessel, is the church, is human beings that make up the church, is his vessel to be able to reach the ends of the earth. And so I just want to, if you guys don't mind, I just want to come in prayer as we dive into this. Just, it was just a humbling thought, and I just want to come and present this to before God, that this book has been his, and that we are diving into his word, and that we will close it out with him as our focus. And so if you'll pray with me. Lord, I just pray that this morning would be glorifying to you. God, that as we dive into the finish of this book of Acts, as we have a baptism later on this morning, as we continue to sing your praises, Lord, let us be able to keep you the focus and give you the glory throughout all of this. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen. As we've been going through Acts, we've, if you've been here the past several weeks, Paul has been captured. He was in prison for a couple years, uh, and the, the Jews in Jerusalem have wanted him dead. They even have a group, that, a mob that has made a vow to kill him. They've tried every which way, and so they're hoping that they could go through the government and have him executed. And so uh, in this attempt to do this, Paul realizes that if he goes back to Jerusalem for a trial, it would be certain death. So he has appealed to Caesar, which means he would be headed to to Rome, that his case would be tried before the top, top of the leadership of the Roman Empire, before Caesar himself. 
And so he's been in jail for two years awaiting for this to happen. And so finally they get on this journey and he's along with the other prisoners and he's shipwrecked, right? We talked about this great storm a couple weeks ago and he's shipwrecked. And in the midst of the shipwreck, he lands on an island and there he's bitten by a poison snake. He shakes that off and, and all this journey has been an amazing journey just to get to Rome. And he finally makes it. As we approach Acts 28, chapter 17, Paul has finally made it to Rome. And as he approaches it, people uh, have heard that he's coming. The Christians in Rome are excited he's there. They've heard about Paul. Many of them have never met him, but they want to see him face to face. They've heard legends about this guy. And so they go running and they go for miles down on the path that he's finally arriving. And so they journey him back to Rome. And so he makes it there and he's still under custody. He's in house arrest. And so he gets situated, he figures out where he's going to be, figures out the guards that's going to be chained to him at all times, and figures out what life looks like here in Rome. And then he quickly gets started. Just three days that he's been there, that he's getting acclimated with his new life, and he begins to minister, he begins to preach, he begins to reach out for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we pick up in 28, verse 17. It says, three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. The local Jewish leaders, these were the influential people among the Jews there in Rome. The Jews had been banished from Rome at one time in the book of Acts. We, we approached that earlier in the, in the middle of the book, but now they've been welcomed back. And there's about 60,000, estimated 60,000 Jews in Rome at this time. And so these are the leaders that are influencing these Jews. These are the leaders, the representatives from each of the synagogues. These are the ones that have great influence, that are influential to dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands thousands of other Jews. And so he calls for these leaders to come, and they come and they meet him. If you've been following along in Acts, this, this really isn't very different from anything we've seen before, right? What does Paul do when he gets to a new city? He goes to the synagogue. He tries to reason with the Jews. They have a common God, Yahweh. They have a common history, a common background, and it would make sense that if they would open their eyes and see, if they would open their ears and hear, that they would see everything throughout the Old Testament, everything that Moses wrote, everything that the prophets said has been leading to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so he always starts there with the Jews to give them a chance. And so here he can't go to the synagogue, but he brings the synagogue leaders to him. And they come to his, his little jail, to his little jail cell in a home. It says, when they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with the chain." And so he brings the leaders, and he kind of gives them his background, and how did we get here? And so these influential men, these influential Jewish leaders, hear him share about the hope of Israel. This hope of Israel has been something that they've been looking for. That their fathers before them, and their grandfathers and grandmothers before that, have been hoping for the hope of Israel. Have been waiting for the Messiah to come. And so Paul alludes that this is because of that hope, because of what we've all been waiting for. That's why I'm in my chains. And he gives the description that the Romans have found nothing wrong with me, but the Jews in Jerusalem have. So that's why I appealed to Caesar. But they reply, 
We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. So Paul's been in custody for years for no reason. The Jerusalem Jews didn't even pursue the charges that they had laid out. They had at first, when they, they were going to talk to the governor Felix or to Festus, the, the new person in charge, but when it was going to Caesar, they knew they'd lose that battle. They knew there was no way Caesar would find anything wrong, and so they kind of just dropped it all. And they let Paul just rot in prison for the past couple of years. So, uh, they haven't sent message to Rome. They, they haven't sent message to the Jews in Rome. Nobody knows anything about this. And so it's, it's kind of sad when you see that Paul's been in captivity all this time for no reason. But they did say, but we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. So they want to hear about Christianity. And so when we look at it in our own eyes, like, why would Paul be trapped for two years? It doesn't seem like there's any reason. Here is the reason. Paul had a, God had a goal for Paul to be able to reach these Jews. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. This was an all-day affair, right? And so as we've been going through Acts, we've tried to live out this book. When, when they had fellowship in Acts 2, we had a pancake breakfast back in February, if you remember that. When they had communion in the midst of a, a message time, we, we stopped the message and took communion. And so... Likewise, they preached all day, and so we have pizza coming, and we'll be in about 8 p.m. tonight, all right? And so I hope you guys are comfortable, and so we are, so Paul is preaching all day, and I think it's significant to, to see that because it's neat to see that the gospel doesn't instantly impact you. Sometimes it does. I'm not putting anything against what the Holy Spirit can do, but oftentimes it takes a while. Oftentimes it takes much teaching. As we see throughout the book of Acts, Paul has gone to these cities and he preaches day after day, night after night. Sometimes he was there for weeks, months, years trying to make an impact. Many of you have experienced that yourself, that there's someone you're praying for to come accept Jesus Christ. Someone that you've been ministering to, someone that you've been hoping would be able to come accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and sometimes we get disappointed. Sometimes we wonder, well, is this ever going to happen? Are they ever going to see the truth? And I want you to find this encouragement that it takes a while sometimes. So continue to pray, to continue to set an example, continue to love on that person and bring them to Christ. And so Paul preaches to these Jews all day, these influential leaders. And then we get to what I think is the most powerful verse of this whole chapter, verse 24. It says, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Throughout this book, we've seen many people come to accept Jesus, and, and to, uh, many people turn their backs on Paul in his teaching. And so it's easy to gloss over the sentence, but step back and think about the influence of this sentence. It said that they came, these influential leaders came, and they brought more. Picture you're in this home that Paul's been assigned to, this home that he's rented and that he's under house arrest, and there's a guard chained to him, and Paul's standing in the corner because the room is packed. Everywhere you look, there's someone standing, there's someone sitting, they're packed, there's people outside the windows trying to listen in. 
They all want to hear, and each one of these people in here is an influential leader among, them, among their own peers. Every person in here has great influence. And so then look at this verse. Some were convinced by what he said. I mean, some accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that day. Some received salvation. Some received eternity in heaven. Some received that Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose again. Just as the prophets had proclaimed, there was a hope of Israel and Jesus was that hope. Some received, and as I said, these were the influential Jewish leaders. Some left that night, late that night after the teaching, and they went home and they woke up their kids and they woke up their older spouses and they woke up everyone in their house and said, I got to tell you what I learned today. Let me tell you about this Jesus Christ. And then they spoke through the night to their wives and to their kids, and those kids and those wives accepted Jesus Christ. And these were the influential leaders of, that influenced dozens and hundreds and thousands. So the next morning they go, and they go to their synagogue, and they go to their circle of influence and say, let me tell you. Let me tell you about what I learned about yesterday. This man, Paul, he told me about Jesus Christ. This man, Paul, told me about the hope of Israel. He laid it out from everything that we know. We study in our synagogue about the Old Testament, about what the prophets say, and it all leads to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. And those hundreds and those thousands accepted Jesus Christ. This verse 24 makes it sound so simple and short that, many, that some believed him that day. Some families were impacted that night. Some hundreds and thousands were impacted the days and weeks and months that followed. And then the other part, it says, but others would not believe. And it crushes your heart to think others left there and they didn't see the hope. They didn't see that Jesus was the fulfillment of all that the prophets had said. And they went home and they didn't wake anybody up. They just got in bed. And the next morning they went, and among their circle of influence and at their synagogues, they continued on the same path that they had been. And hundreds and thousands didn't have a chance to accept Jesus Christ. That verse is significant. And that verse is reality today. Right? As we hear about Jesus Christ, as maybe you're here today or, or out in life or throughout your lifetime, you've heard about Jesus Christ. And, and there are people here that have accepted and believe, and salvation is impacted by that. And you have eternity in heaven. And there are others that have chose not to believe, and eternity is affected by that as well. So this verse is a significant verse for thousands there in Rome. It's a significant verse for you and for me. And so the passage continues that they disagreed among themselves, those that believed Paul and those that didn't, and they begin to fight in this home. They begin to argue among themselves. They disagreed among themselves and begin to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. And he's about to quote from the book of Isaiah, but I think it's important to say, Paul isn't saying, this is what I say. He's not saying, this is what Isaiah said. He's saying, the Holy Spirit God has made this proclamation on you as you leave this place tonight. It says, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. 
They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I will heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Luke brings it back to full circle one more time at the end of the book of Acts. Luke, the author, the physician, Paul's friend, has told us time and again this same pattern, that Paul goes to a city, he reaches out to the Jews, the Jews reject him. Some, some believe, but many reject, and he then has to go, and he goes and delivers the gospel to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles receive it. And so it brings it back full circle. The exact same thing happens here in Rome, that he goes out to the Jews, some accept it, some do not, and he proclaims that he will now go to the Gentiles. If you're following along in your Bible, you'll see that it goes from verse 28 to verse 30. And you might be wondering, wait, whoa, wait a second, they messed up, or there's a missing verse, and there is. There's a verse that many early manuscripts do not have. Uh, it's a verse that other later manuscripts have, and so most Bibles leave it out, or there'll be a subscript at the bottom. I'll share the verse with you so you know. It says, verse 29, after he said this, the Jews left, arguing vigorously among themselves. Most believe Luke did not write that verse, but it was added later just to kind of put a cap on the situation, the story of Paul's testimony in that home. And so it's this transition verse that was added later. And so, so in case you're wondering, why is it missing from my Bible? It's because it wasn't in the early manuscripts. But then Luke puts an end cap on the book of Acts. Verse 30 and 31 says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Another version says he proclaimed unhindered. Hence our, our title for the end of this series is Unhindered. That Paul was unhindered. And it's funny to think that because he's been in chains, Right? He's been under house arrest. He's been in a prison cell for two years. He's been in a shipwreck. He's been bit by a snake, and yet somehow he's unhindered. He's proclaiming that he's unhindered to share the gospel. He was unhindered to share the truth about Jesus Christ. These local Jews don't have a problem with him. The Jerusalem Jews are long gone. The Gentiles and the Romans have no problem with it, and so he's able to proclaim Jesus to everyone. During this two years, as he awaits the, the visit and the, the appeal to Caesar, is when most people believe he wrote the prison epistles, such as Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. It was during this time that he strengthened the Roman church as they came and visited him. It's during this time that these Jewish leaders that believed, I have no doubt, came time after time, day after day, week after week, and learned more under the teachings of Paul. That the Gentiles were coming and hearing about, about Jesus. That the Roman soldiers that were chained to this man heard the gospel proclaimed unhindered. And so even though he's chained to a Roman soldier, he was unhindered because there was no one stopping his proclamation of Jesus Christ. Much like we are today. We have this great freedom here. You hear about stories about people in other countries that can't carry a Bible, can't proclaim the name of Jesus, and we have such freedom here in America that we are unhindered, that we, do not, that we might have people at work or at school that would give us a second a questionable look or might sneer and make fun of us. But really, 
That's nothing compared to, to, the, to being hindered in other countries. We are unhindered. We are free. Are we living that way? Because Paul, when he was unhindered, proclaimed the gospel for those two years with boldness. Are we living that way today? And so that's how the book ends, right? If you're reading along, you might be flipping the page to see, okay, what happens? Does, does he get the appeal to Caesar? What happens to Paul? Does he ever get set free? Luke doesn't tell us. This is just how the book ends. We kind of just end the book there, and, and we're wondering, what is next? What else is to come? And so many people have many theories, and I'll share those with you, but I want you to know that this was, these theories are not from the Bible. These are what scholars have believed. But it was believed that Paul finally got his trial before Caesar and that he was acquitted. The Jews didn't send any lawyers. The Jews didn't even send an announcement about what he was being charged with. And so he finally got his chance to speak before Caesar, and he was acquitted. And, and I fully believe, after seeing Paul's, Paul's pattern throughout the book of Acts, he had an opportunity to share Jesus to Caesar. And so many believe that he was set free, and then there's theories on what he did. Some believe that he went on to Spain. There's verses that say he, that was his desire was to go to Spain, and some believe he went on to Spain and set, set up churches there and then came back. Some believe that he went and revisited the churches that he had visited earlier uh, along the Aegean Sea, churches like Philippi and Thessalonica, Berea, Ephesus, Corinth. Either way, it was believed that he, he was back in the area when Nero, the new, the new emperor, had decided that Christians were the cause of the city burning down, the, when this madman emperor had decided to kill all Christians. And many believe that Paul was one of the thousands of martyrs at the hands of this new emperor. And so that's how Paul's story ends. But we see in the book of 2 Timothy, one of Paul's, the, Paul's last letter, and he was writing it from prison again, that Luke was with him. The author of the book of Luke, the author of Acts, has been down this journey all along. You wonder, did Luke go when Paul was acquitted? Maybe Luke went with him to Spain. Maybe Luke went on this journey. And you just can't help but wonder, why didn't Luke include any of that? Why didn't Luke include what happened before Caesar? I think the answer is, this is where the Holy Spirit wanted it to end. This is where God put an end. Because the reality is, no matter where it ended, we would want more, right? After the journey to Spain and back, what happens to Paul then? Paul's been arrested and, and Nero is on a madman's mad path. What happens then? Paul's, Paul's dead. Who takes the baton? What, how does the story continue to go? Because this story of Acts has been the story of the early church, the story of the Bride of Christ. And so this first 28 chapters has covered the first 35 years of the Bride of Christ, but the Bride of Christ has been going on for 2,000 years. That story of Acts has continued, and in reality is there's no great stopping place because that story has never stopped, has kept on going. Winston Churchill was addressing uh, the British Parliament Early on in the World War II, the Brits had been in the war and they had been losing every single battle they had been in. 
from Dunkirk to Singapore. They had lost every battle, and there was finally a slimmer of hope. There was finally a victory. And it's what Winston Churchill calls the Battle of Egypt, and there was this victory. And Winston Churchill comes, and he addresses the House of Commons, the, the British Parliament, and he addresses them, and he tells them this great news about the victory. And he has this famous speech, and in this speech he says, I've never promised anything but blood, tears, toil, and sweat. Now, however, the bright gleam has caught the helmets of our soldiers and warmed and cheered all of our hearts. And at this, I was listening to a recording of the speech. You hear this ruckus, this noise of people banging the floor and hitting their canes and clapping because they're excited. This House of Parliament is excited that there is a victory Finally, some good news in the midst of this war against the German Nazis. And they're banging, and Winston Churchill calms them down. And he puts it in perspective. And he says these famous words, Now this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end. But it is, perhaps, the end of the beginning. As we look at closing out Acts... I came across that and, and saw what a great description for the end of Acts. This isn't the end. This isn't even the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning of the story of the Bride of Christ. These first 28 chapters cover the story of many different people. We've seen men and women. We've seen fishermen and rabbis. We've seen politicians and we've seen commoners. We've seen, uh, uh, we've seen businesswomen and we've seen tent makers. We've even seen God's miracle, miraculous power through a young boy that fell asleep and fell out of a window two stories down. We've seen God work in amazing ways in this first 28 chapters, and that was just the end of the beginning, because that story has continued. If there was a chapter 29 of the book of Acts, it would look like the next few years, the next 2,000 years. That that story would include great people. As we see, we have Peter and Paul, these two great people that were part of that story. And, and if that story was continued, we'd probably have Augustine. And there, there'd be a, a story about that and Thomas Aquinas. There'd be stories of Martin Luther and of C.S. Lewis and of Billy Graham. We would have all these great leaders and we would give, hear their stories. But Acts wasn't just made up of Peter and Paul, but made up of all the, the normal common people like you and me. And so for that 2,000 years, Acts 29 would encompass stories about fathers and mothers who are telling their kids about Jesus Christ, about co-workers who are willing to go and over a cup of coffee share about Jesus, about those that are, go out and work amongst the people and go from house to house to do service calls and proclaim God's word as they do that. That the book of Acts 29, the chapter of Acts 29, would be the story of all these common people that have continued this amazing story of God's people. People like you and me. As I was looking this past, at this past year at Discovery, I, I was just overwhelmed with the things that, that this church has done as God's people. As you guys have been in Acts 29, I wrote some down just to, to kind of capture these because I didn't want to cross, gloss over them. We've hosted a prom for those who are often overlooked and marginalized. We led a camp where 270 kids heard about Jesus Christ, and because of you, many foster kids were able to come. You guys' love for foster kids has impacted as we've partnered with Isaiah 117 to be there when those kids' worst day of their life. 
We've been able to uh, reach out through a mission trip, a local mission trip, and care for a sister church that was devastated by floods. You guys participated in Compassion Sunday, and together we rescued 100 kids out of poverty, 100 kids that are now getting clothing and food and hearing about the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus has gone to the ends of the earth because of you. That even just recently, we had this uh, angel tree, and we're, and we're caring for children of incar- local incarcerated prisoners. And we had so many people wanting to be part of that, that we had a waiting list of generosity, and we had to go get more angel tree kids, because this church wanted to care. There's a verse at the beginning of Acts that we covered at the very first week. It was Jesus telling the people, he said... Uh, Jesus said that you will receive the Holy Spirit, but you will receive the power with the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and that's what I've seen Discovery do. But the exciting part is that I listed all those things that our church has done, but we are just one of many churches of the hand of God, right? We are just one of many different people, many different churches that have been impacting for, that have been part of Acts 29 and continuing the story of God's salvation, continuing the story of God's bride. And so we are just one of many churches, the church down the street and the church across the state line and the church across the world have been doing these amazing things as well, spreading God's gospel. And so when we look at, we look at the church now, the church is part of Acts 29, and if we boiled that even lower, Acts 29 is made up of individuals, made up of you. We got pictures of people in this church that have made up, that are continuing to make up Acts 29. Acts is a story of God sharing his love of Je- through Jesus Christ, salvation through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit is continuing to work well past the 28 chapters of Acts, but through these 2,000 years to today, 2019, through this church body. If you look at these pictures, if you look to the person on your left and your right, this is Acts 29. This is God continuing to work in our city and in our Jerusalem and our Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You guys watch these videos, these pictures. This is God's body. This is Acts 29. And I want to encourage you that if anything, we would leave here this morning knowing that we are a continuation of this book, that we are a continuation of this amazing message, that we are a continuation of Jesus' proclamation, that we would go with the power of the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. And so I want to encourage you that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, to do so, come talk to us in the back. We have a baptism here after the next song. And I'm so excited because someone is accepting Jesus Christ and going and proclaiming this to the ends of the earth. That you are proclaiming this to the ends of the earth. Uh, when you walk out, you'll see this piece of art that Chris put together. And it's made up of over a thousand different individual pictures of this church body. Making up this picture that we are going to the ends of the earth. And not just discovery not just us individually, but God's body. And so, if you'll stand with me, we're going to go sing. And I just want us to proclaim that we'll do these things because we love God. And we'll continue on Acts 29, the story of Jesus' bride.
If you'll pray with me. Lord, we just come to you right now and I pray that you are glorified this morning and, and tomorrow morning, and Tuesday morning and this coming week, this coming month, that these influential people in this room will go and influence others for you. That these influential people would go and influence their homes, influence their schools, influence their work, influence their neighborhoods. That these influential people, each one of us here has influence, God. Each one of us here is part of your body. Each one of us here is part of a bigger story than ours. We are part of your story. God, you have said that as we have the Holy Spirit, we will go and reach to the ends of the earth. And God, I ask that you move us to do so. And God, let us not stop until every corner, every person receives your word to the ends.